You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. After racing out to a 3-0 record in the 21 season, Kansas State ran headlong into a gauntlet to open Big 12 play. We knew it would be tough starting at Oklahoma State and coming home for games against Oklahoma and Iowa State. But the reality of it was Kansas State simply was not good enough in any of those games, culminating in Saturday's 33-20 loss to the Cyclones in Manhattan. It dropped Kansas State to 3-3 on the season and 0-3 in Big 12 play. Saturday, Kansas State travels to Texas Tech in what is an enormous game for the Wildcats as they seek to get back on the winning side of Big 12 play in the 2021 season. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and I will be joined throughout this show by our trio of experts. We will have Ryan Wallace, our recruiting expert, who also helps us at Go PowerCat with team coverage. In the second portion of the podcast, former Kansas State offensive lineman Brian Hanley joins us as he does pre- and post-game to break down what he sees from the Wildcats. And of course, Brian was on the Wildcats in those historic 97 and 98 teams under Coach Bill Snyder. And in the final segment, not only will we hear directly from Chris Kleiman, who caused a small storm this week with something he said in the press conference, but we will also hear from our own Ryan Gilbert as we break down the odds for all of the games in the Big 12 and take a look at Tech and K-State in terms of the gambling advantage for either team. We are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Well, let's not mess around anymore. We've got a lot to cover in this podcast as the struggling cats prepare for the Red Raiders. It will be an 11 a.m. kick down in Lubbock. The game will be shown on FS1 this Saturday. And now we bring in Ryan Wallace from the Go Powercat staff to discuss Texas Tech and Kansas State down in Lubbock on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. kick. As I mentioned, Wallace, let's start off with this. Give me your overall thoughts on this tech team because I have problems getting my mind wrapped around if they're okay or bad. And and it doesn't reflect in their record because they do have a couple Big 12 wins, but I'm just not blown away so far this season by them. Yeah, I think they're they're better than they have been, um, at least maybe since Matt Wells has been there. Um, but in saying that, I think that they're 
record is a little bit of an illusion. Um, I, you know, I think that uh, they came out of the gates and, and fought back for a good win against Houston on the road, a Houston team that's only that's their only loss, I think, of, uh, to this point of the season. And, you know, like they've had some other good wins. I think, um, you know, regardless of how good you think West Virginia is, I, I think that that was a nice win for Matt Wells to it get. Was over Neil over Neil Brown's team, but then they come back and, um, you know, have TCU and Texas put up, you know, what close to 600 yards rushing, um, or something, something of that, to that effect. Uh, so I, I think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors, um, but it, by and large, it's very similar to the blueprint that we've seen in the past of, you know, fairly effective offense that can score points and a defense that, um, is all about, getting turnovers because otherwise they just have not, you know, been that balanced. I will be fascinated to see what K state's game plan is. Um, this is a defense at tech that has struggled against the run. And I just wonder if K state's going to line up and just try to control the ball, get control the tempo. Look, we all want a balanced offense. I mean, that's pretty clear. You, you seek that. So people can't load up the box, but it also strikes me K-State had a lot of success when it was a more run-heavy offense, and this is a defense that will allow you to do it. Do you see Deuce Vaughn and Joe Irvin being the at the forefront of this game plan? No, definitely. I mean, I think they're going to start on the ground and kind of see how and if that opens things up through the air. And I think it will. Um, when you watch Texas tech, um, very rarely do they bring more than three or four man fronts and, uh, or, or three or four man pressure. And when they do bring more than that, um, you know, it, you, you can almost see it coming, you know, it's, it's third downs. It's, 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 uh, you know, areas of a, of a drive that, that, the offense really needs to convert. And if, for whatever reason, it's almost as if Keith Patterson, their defensive coordinator thinks that, well, the offensive coordinator won't see this coming. <laughs> uh, and, and nine times out of 10, they do. But um, I, I really think that K-State's offense is going to have their way in this one. Um, I think it's, it, it's going to be reminiscent to what we saw against Oklahoma, as far as just the, the nice balance of pass to run. Um, like I said, uh, I think when you watch Bijan Robinson run for the way that he did, when you watch Zach Evans run the way that he did and the way that they had just enormous lanes to run through, I think that this is a motivated uh, K-State offensive line coming off of the performance that they had last week against Iowa State. And I don't see a formidable front that's going to challenge them from allowing Deuce Vaughn to you know, run for at least his average of five yards a carry right now. And then once you get that going, I think it'll open up for Philip Brooks, Tyrone Howell, Malik Knowles, of course, um, to do their thing through the air. I, I really think K-State's offense is going to have kind of a signature day and they need one. Um, and, and ironically enough, Fitz, I'll finish by saying this, as I say, I think K-State's offense is in line for a signature day. Um, they're going to do it on Courtney Messingham's 55th birthday. Well, how about that? <laughs> and he needs he needs a nice birthday present, doesn't he? You could use a gift. Yes, indeed. And I, I hope Kansas State can find a really reliable running game to open up the passing game a little bit more. Deuce Vaughn comes into this game. 
averaging 90.5 yards per contest. Joe Irvin adds in 36.2. What's really interesting is Deuce is at five yards a carry, and Joe Irvin's at 5.4. Joe's been really effective. Uh, He was effective against Iowa State. I didn't think he got enough touches. It gets difficult when you're trying to get Deuce Vaughn enough touches to be the backup running back because you just don't get opportunities between the the running game and, and passing game, Deuce is touching the ball about 22 snaps. And when you're only running, I don't know how many snaps, I haven't added it up here, but you know, 70 plays a game, that's a big chunk of your offense right there. And I'm just anxious to see if they give the ball to Joe Moore because I thought he looked really good against Iowa State. Well, and I mean, this is the exact type of, of front uh, defensive alignment opponent, whatever, that uh, I think would be very fitting to run a little bit more of that dual back look, Um, you know, have a a Deuce Vaughn alongside of Joe Irvin or on either side of Skylar Thompson. Um, And it really forces the defense to play both players and, and kind of spreads them out a little bit more. I think the reason that we haven't seen Joe Irvin get as many touches or, or, you know, as much participation as maybe, um, you know, you would, you would hope is I, I do think that there are times when he's still a little too one dimensional. I don't think they trust him uh, as a receiver as much as they do deuce. I think for, you know, for right now, Joe is, is kind of a handed off aggressive, powerful runner, which is fine when he's running the way he has been. But I think, yeah, for him to see a little bit more of the field, I think they, they want to know that they can trust him as a pass catcher. Well, Kansas State's offense, I'm just going to say it hasn't been the problem the last couple weeks. It's been the defensive side of the ball. The offense has been okay. It certainly needed to be closer to um, on point against Iowa State. Just too many small miscues that really set back the offense and took away opportunities. But the defense has really struggled and struggled on third down and getting teams off the field, something Iowa State thrived on. And Oklahoma certainly never left the field except for one interception. Is Tech the kind of offense that will give Kansas State problems? Or is K-State's defense at the point where everyone gives them problems? Um, Probably a little bit of both. Um, You know, when I watch Texas Tech and this Matt Wells kind of offense, you know, they're still scoring um, at will. I mean, they have the fourth most touchdowns in the Big 12 um, you know, yardage wise and things of that nature, they're still among the top two or three units in the big 12 conference, kind of, you know, paying homage to the cliff Kingsbury, the Mike's leech Texas tech days. But, you know, this offense doesn't have nearly the firepower that, 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 um, red Raiders, those red Raiders teams did. Um, the way though, that this team is built a little bit differently where they still have, you know, a defense has to stay on their toes a little bit more because they're running the ball much more effectively. Um, so Roderick Thompson, when they were able to get him back in the fold and, you know, really getting him into a rhythm, it opens up things big time for this offense. Cause like I said, there, there's not really a Michael Crabtree type receiver, um, that scares you, you know, on an every snap basis, um, with this Texas tech team. So Roderick Thompson though, can open some things up. Uh, and, and he has, um, uh, you know, they're, they're not, the most efficient offense. And, you know, I think when you see, you know, Tyler shook go down and they, they insert Columbia, they've, 
they've their efficiency's gone down even more. Um, they they've thrown the most interceptions of any team in the league. Um, so that bodes well for K State's defense. And uh, the other interesting thing about Texas Tech, though, is that you know with Columbia under center, they really don't stretch the field because they can't. Um, you know, his arm strength is nothing compared to what you remember, you know, with Davis Webb or even with Tyler Shook. Um, they just can't get the ball downfield. He's a 10 to 15 yard passer. So I think this is bodes well for Kansas State. It allows TJ Smith, Jerron McPherson, Russ East, these safeties that are very good at coming downhill to just keep everything in front of them. Um, you know, as long as you don't allow Eric, um, Izukama or Izukama to get going, the number one receiver in the Big 12 by average yards per game. As long as you kind of keep him in check, you can really kind of load the box and make sure that you just play everything underneath and force um, you know Henry Columbia to beat to beat you. And uh, you know Texas Tech tried that last year and it failed in Manhattan. Right. Right. They started the season with the Oregon transfer, Tyler Shuck, at quarterback. They were really optimistic, and he is a very promising quarterback as a fifth-year senior. That would have been interesting to see. Unfortunately, he got hurt, as you mentioned. They turned it back over to Columbia to take the reins. I believe he's a Utah State transfer. He came with Wells. Mm -hmm. Um, And he isn't overly dynamic. He's just Good enough. You know what I mean? He just kind of gets things done. They still put points up, but he is mistake prone. And K-State desperately needs to get back on the good side of turnovers and and defensive big plays because they didn't really have any big plays of note on the defensive side of the ball against Iowa State. They got almost no pressure on the quarterbacks uh, the last couple games. And it's really been troublesome without some of these players that they've lost to injury. Can they find a way to generate some pressure without just selling out every third play to try to bring a lot of heat? I think so. Like I said, I I just think that until this Texas Tech offense proves to Joe Klanderman and Chris Kleiman that, okay, we need to take a step back and and maybe readjust. I don't see why K-State can't basically – throw out the base defense of their choice, um, you know, probably a three, three, five and just say beat us because like I said, Columbia is not a guy that, you know, is, is really going to look downfield. Um, it's when he's under center, it's very much kind of a nickel and dime approach passing wise. And then, you know, trying to get Sir Roderick Thompson going on the ground and they just kind of burn you down the field, you know, with, with these longer drives, at least longer drives than what you're used to with Texas tech, I should say. Um, but in saying that, you know, I don't see any reason why this can't be, um, you know, a kind of a, a coming out party, getting back to where this defense was early on in the season. I think there are going to be opportunities for turnovers, you know, even not even just an offense fits because, you know, we saw, with TCU, um, they created some turnovers because Columbia left some balls kind of hanging out there um, that were either deflected or TCU was able to just run up and read the play. Or even Texas on special teams had a you know block punt that they were able to return for a score. Texas Tech lives and dies on turnovers. I mean, the really the reason that they are um, what they are this year in terms of record is literally because they've either made the most of turnovers or they've just been terrible with turnovers. And uh, I think that, you know, K-State is a smart enough team by and large, um, by and large, their assignment sound, although, you know, that wasn't always the case against, you know, Oklahoma and Iowa state. 
but I think that their assignments sound enough to, you know, reap the benefits and, and really force Texas tech to be the worst of the two teams on Saturday. Texas Tech on paper looks like an explosive offense, but when you start boiling down and who they've scored against, they did score 38, at defeating Houston, as you mentioned, in the season opener, 38-21. Stephen F. Austin, they scored 28. Florida International, 54. Then they go up against Texas, and they get absolutely smoked, 70-35. to 35. So that 35 is entirely useless when you lose by 35. West Virginia, 23-20. Then they get a TCU comes into Lubbock, and I think this is a really strong indicator of where Tech's at when TCU rolls into Lubbock and just pounded the Red Raiders 52-31, to and then they played Kansas and scored 41 points. I feel like it's a little bit of fool's gold. I, I feel like it, you, there's some stats padding in there that indicates to me that this offense is really good when uh, the defense knows they're going to win the game. You know, the the off their offense has outscored them so severely, or they're just up against a bad defense. I will be very intrigued to see how K-State's defense performs in this game because something has gone wrong on the defensive side of the ball, and I don't feel like it's schematic. Wally, I feel like it's more the guys are just not quite locked in the way they should be. When you line up wrong on the first play of the game, it tells me you're not locked in, and that's where my concern is, is they've got to get back their mental focus. What is your take on what's gone wrong on the defensive side of the ball? Um, you know, I think to some extent, uh, you know, we've mentioned it, I think the last two pregame shows, um, about, you know, Hey, that Khalid Duke injury was kind of significant and, you know, it has been, and each week it's proven to be more and more, you know, for as good as Felix and UDK has been this season, you know, having a guy like Khalid Duke or even boom Massey on the other side, um, you know, to kind of take a little bit more of eyes off of him, I think went a long way in having the start that he had. Um, but uh, in addition to that, I just think, you know, the further you go into the season, the more tape that people are getting on this three, three, five, and particularly the way that Joe Klanderman and Chris Kleiman are running it. And they're getting more tape on a guy like Timmy Horn. They're getting more tape on a guy like Julius Brintz um, and on and on. So I, I think they're actually, it does come down to a little bit more of game planning than maybe you think. I think people are, are starting to figure K-State out a little bit. Now, in saying that, you look at the schemes that they've gone up against in these losses. You know, not only are they good teams with, you know, pretty good athletes, um, specifically, you know, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma's offense. But then you look at, you know, Matt Campbell's a pretty good regard as a pretty good X and O coach. Well, we know Lincoln Riley's regard as a pretty good X and O coach. And Mike Gundy's done it for years. Um, they know how to beat, you know, defenses like this. Does Matt Wells, you know, and, and this staff partic- in particular really scare you that, that they're going to figure some things out? Probably not as much. And so I, I, I think that K-State matches up better from a term of talent and athletic and personnel standpoint against Texas Tech, obviously, you know, than they did against the other three. Now, you know, there's kind of the double-edged sword of that, which is fans hear that and they go, oh, so, you know, so we're down in Texas Tech's level. Uh, to some degree, yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I do think, you know, getting back to the question, I do think that you know, by and large, this defense just, they kind of need a momentum game. They need to get a turnover or two to get playing with their heads held a little bit higher. And I think that um, Texas Tech will will allow them to do that. 
Well, that sounds promising. I got to say that <laughs> um, I, I'm just going to put it out on the table. I have been a little bit disappointed in Julius Prince. He's not a good open field tackler, which in the Big 12 is a premium, and he's lost contact with some guys in coverage. I feel like the corner play has been under what I thought, and it's not like I entered the season thinking they were going to have great cornerback play. I just thought it would be a little more solid. But, boy, if they played man against Iowa State, someone was open. If they sat back in zone and really didn't try to pressure the quarterback, someone was open. It just seems like coverage isn't very efficient right now for this team. Well, and I think some of that has to do with, you know, some of their best playmakers on defense, as I said, are their, their, what they're best at, I guess I should say, is uh, coming downhill. I mean, they're really good tacklers. TJ Smith, um, for I think as quality as, of a cover man as he was in the nickel um, in high school for a really good McEachern uh, or McEachern program in Georgia. You know, at, at heart, he's still a hitter. Um, Amaris Brown is the same way, and we saw him playing corner, <laughs> which kind of says a lot about you know maybe where T. Denson was in pre-game or in uh, game planning for Iowa State. Um, it obviously says a little something about Justin Gardner, who you know we find out afterwards that he wasn't available for that game, and that had you know nothing to do with you know injuries or COVID or anything like that. Um, it was some disciplinary issues, so. Um, not having him hurts because I think Justin Gardner might be their best yeah. cover man along with Echo Boydo. But, uh, you know, again, getting back to it, TJ Smith is, is, you know, not very adept in coverage. You know, I think Jerome McPherson is much better coming down into the box. Um, so really that kind of leaves Russ East. And for the most part, a lot of teams are figuring out not to pick on him and on, the Iowa state night, it was TJ Smith that they really abused over and over again. And then Amaris Brown on the outside, like I said, when they had to rotate him in a corner to try and, you know, spell or to try and find some sort of momentum, it backfired. And, um, Julius Brent's for all intents and purposes has been a, a, a huge letdown too. And, you know, for all the, the hype that we've heard Chris Kleiman bestow on, on Will Howard as being the nation's best backup, let's not forget that he also went to big 12 media days and proclaimed that Julius Brent's, you know, might be one of the big 12's top cornerbacks. And aside from, you know, an, an easy interception against, uh, who was it? Um, a Nevada maybe where, you know, there was kind of a ball that was hung up in the air and, and he, you know, played it well as a six, three guy should, um, That's other than that, it was you Oklahoma. Know, yeah. Oklahoma. There you go. Um, other than that, you know, um, you know, his tackling at times, I think he looks almost uninspired to get off blocks and try and make tackles. Um, but then other times somehow he leads the defensive backfield in, in tackles. So, you know, maybe that's just a week by week thing, but, um, I, I think they desperately need some, some, better cover guys in this scheme. If you're going to run a three, three, five. Um, and unfortunately fits, you know, not to get off topic here, but some of the guys that are being brought in, in this 2022 commitment class, um, are more linebacker prone type safety players. Or, and, you know, so we're not seeing that yet in the recruiting. So either a guy like Omar Daniels gets developed better and T Denson gets developed better. Um, or, you know, it's going to have to come down to, you know, maybe better preparing the scheme to, um, try and, you know, go against these people that are, that are picking on TJ Smith and Jerome McPherson and those type of guys in, in coverage. 
Let's talk about Chris Kleiman for a moment. You brought up a couple statements he's made earlier in the year, and then on Tuesday at the press conference, he had a now famous statement about the kids in this age group don't respond to negativity, and he wants the fans and the media to be more positive. I think it wasn't quite on target with how he wanted it to be worded, but it came out that way. Is he turning into a a guy that is going to have some regrettable quotes because he's had a number of them this year? Uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, as much as I want to say no, like you said, there have been enough examples to this point that are a little head scratching. Um, I, I just specifically talking about, you know, what happened this earlier in the week with the press conference, um, the midweek press conference. I, I think a lot of it, I don't want to say it was overblown because I think when you go back and watch it on video, he is motioning to the media. Um, it was very obvious what he was trying to say, but I think, it was maybe not taken out of context, but taken a little bit further than, than he had intended. You know, I, I don't think if you sat Chris Kleiman down that he actually expects or hopes that the media writes, you know, only glaring positive things. I, I think he's been around the block long enough to know what the media's job really is. I think he was just saying by and large for 17, 18 year old kids, whether, you know, football players or, you know, whomever just this generation needs, you know, more pats on the back, I think is more what was coming across. And, do, you know, so do I think that there, you know, an alarm bell went off or that red flags are being raised? No, um, because when I look at the grand scheme of things, uh, I don't base, you know, a coach's personality, attitude, demeanor on kind of what the media thinks of him or kind of what he says publicly. Uh, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, all I've heard is glowing reviews from the people that are in the locker room that spend time with him every day, whether it's support staff members or players or recruits, everyone likes Chris Kleiman. Um, and so while you have, let's say a guy like Les Miles that has flubs left and right in front of media, and then also goes back and flubs to, you know, and, and makes regrettable statements to his own players. You don't hear that from Chris Kleiman. Um, so I'm not putting a whole lot of stock on, you know, you know, is Chris Kleiman maybe cut out for, you know, power five national media level kind of attention just because, you know, maybe he's a little bit more confident in certain players than we are, maybe because he desires for our generation and, and, you know, country to be a little bit more positive in a lot of negative times. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think he was asking the media to be raw, raw. I think he was saying, you know, we've done some positive things this year. We did beat three good opponents in the non-conference, and we have played three really good teams in Big 12 play that are combined 17-2. and two. It kind of jumps out at you, the quality of opponents K-State has played. And I wasn't overly alarmed. I certainly perked up my ears when he said it. And uh, But I think uh, that this will be a, a short-term fire. And you know what he did, Un probably unintentionally, he put the focus back on him. With that statement, mm -hmm. everyone's talking about him and not about some of the issues we're seeing on the field with his players or his coordinators or anything else. He rightfully so, as a head coach should do, even if it was unintentional, he brought the fire back to him. And uh, I think K-State wins this game. I, I think this is a game where the, is going to be a huge measurement for Kleiman's program. I think he understands that. I think the players understand that. They are not of the level right now of Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. They weren't able to pull off what would have been an upset. 
These teams are in their wheelhouse the next four weeks. These are the comparable pool of teams in the conference here, with the exception of Kansas, but that is a you know an probable win for the Wildcats. But you do have Tech, TCU, Kansas, and West Virginia all lined up in a row. All games K-State can win. I don't know if they're capable of winning all four in a row. But this is the measurement of K-State that I think is more valuable to fans and to understand where the program's at. If they fail in these four, they only win two or one, or I can't see them going winless. But if they struggle in these four, then I'll be worried because I didn't think they were up to beating Oklahoma and Iowa State. I thought they might get Oklahoma State, but that Wally, they're better than I think any of us expected. They're salty. They just know how to win. Mm -hmm. But this stretch, Wally, this is it, man. you got to get some wins here, and I would probably say you probably need to win the next three in a row. Yeah, it all starts with this Saturday. Um, This is a, you know, for it's kind of a weird one because for as easy, I think, on paper as it looks, there are elements about it um, that are still going to make it challenging. Obviously, Lubbock is a place that, um, you know, has has had moments with with um, K State and, and Texas Tech as far as kind of coming down to the wire. To, obviously, K State's won nine of the last ten, but I think you look at the last two in Lubbock have been by one score, and one of them went to overtime. So you know, we kind of find ourselves saying this about Texas Tech every year, and then that ends up being a, usually in Lubbock a more competitive game because, um, you know, it, it is one of the longer road trips um, in the league. And so you've really got to get your mind right. I think K-State has the right leadership at hand and enough experience that, you know, the fact that this is only the second true road game that they've had all year, I don't think that factors in as much as, you know, maybe a, a team that had a little bit less experience. Um, K-State and it's, you know, blueprint is like I said, typically very assignment sound, play pretty smart football. And against a team like this, I think even some miscues won't hurt you like they did the last three weeks. They've got to get this one done. They have to. Have to have to have to get this one done. His name's Ryan Wallace. He covers recruiting and the team for us at gopowercat.com. And that is the first portion of this edition of the Powercat pregame podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. On the other side of this break, we bring in our football analyst, Brian Hanley, a former offensive lineman for the Wildcats. And then later on in the show, we've talked about what Chris Kleiman said on Tuesday at his press conference. You will hear it right here on the Powercat pregame podcast. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. That was Ryan Wallace in the first portion of your show to get us rolling. And in a second, we'll bring in Brian Hanley, the former Kansas State offensive lineman in the late 
90s for the Wildcats. But we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And now we bring in Brian Hanley. Mr. Hanley, how are you doing on this fine day? I am doing well, sir. How are you? Have you lost three games in a row? Because I don't think ever. If I, it's, it's probably true. <laughs> I had thought about that. Yeah, you you were on a lot of winning teams through your career. Yeah, in, in football and basketball. So uh, I was we'll, lucky. Uh, we'll let you off the hook on that one. Interesting. <laughs> Before we started, and I'm going to play this uh, clip a little bit later in the show. In fact, at the start of the next segment. But you you and I were discussing Chris Kleiman's odd comments about. How the team uh, are a bunch of young guys who don't can't accept negative energy, and he wants the fans and the media to try to be more positive. That's kind of the yeah. way it came out. I'm not sure if that's the way he meant to say it, but boy, it did set off a little brush fire in these parts. What are your thoughts on on some of the things Coach Kleiman said? Very odd, um, and kind of like I said, I've never really heard a coach say that. I've been, I've heard, I've been around coaching basically my whole life, from my father to just everything, and I've never really heard a coach saying that kids can't take it and kids need all this positive reinforcement. Because the first thing that I noticed. As a kid, my dad wasn't given positive reinforcement all the time when he was coaching guys. So I know for a fact that guys can either they can take it because they still were out there every week or every day. So that's the first thing. But from the fans' point of view, look, fans want to win. Fan is short for fanatic. I'm a fanatic, I admit. And we want to win. And when we're not winning, we're not going to be happy. And you know what? I don't blame K-State fans for for being upset, for not settling, because that's been a complaint for forever, is that K-State fans were okay with being 6-6 six and, six and, and stuff like that. Well, we're okay at 7-5. and five. Well, fans, they don't want that. They want more. And I know the kids want more, and everybody wants more, but you can't. You can't ask fans not to be upset. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I – I don't know if it really ended up being what he wanted to say, but he said it. He's got to live with it now. He might try to unring that bell in the post-game press conference, or I'm not sure. But um, if you've got a team that's so fragile it can't take negative tweets from fans. That's an issue. Then you've got big problems. Yes, you do. Um, and I'm all for if your style is be a player's coach, but with that has to come discipline. And I, and I know Chris Kleiman does do the discipline thing. It's not like he's, he's given everyone a medal for losing three games straight. I know he can't be hard on the guys, but it was alarming to hear him say they just can't take it. Well, um, maybe they should tune it out and maybe it's more directed to you because actually Brian that's what I thought was interesting most of the criticism here after this Iowa State game is aimed at Chris Kleiman and the coaching staff not as much the players who look ill-prepared and it's not their job to get them 100% prepared the coaches have to oversee that and be accountable for it I think the fans are pissed that the defense gives up too many third down conversions that uh, the offense can't score enough or be creative 
creative enough to find ways to get the ball down the field. They're mad at the coaches, and I hope the coaches can take it. Yeah. Hey, coaches getting paid a lot of money to be able to take it, and that's what I think as well. Because if you know me and you know you know from our, our podcast that we've done together, I am never going to criticize a kid I will criticize his play, but I'm never going to criticize a kid. I don't do that. I don't believe in that. They're not professionals. Having said that, coaches are different. You are professionals. You get paid. And I didn't think anybody was – I really didn't see anybody criticizing the players. It's just what you said. It was all about, hey, why can't we have a a decent offense? Why why can't the defense or defense get off the field? What's going on here? I just think it was a lot of people are just upset because we're not winning games that although these teams are better than us, if we just do a couple of extra things, we could have won. We could have won the OU game. That's the game that that could have been won by K-State referees aside. That's a game that could have been won by us. It was there. They were trying to give it to us. And we couldn't take it. Lastly, again, Iowa State's better, but we 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 beat ourselves in a lot of different ways. You know, with just mental mistakes. And, and you're right, not being prepared to play that's inexcusable. And that's all coaching. You can't blame players if guys are out of position all the time, because at some point it can't just be they're out of position. It's maybe they're being taught to be out of position. They're not in the right places. So. It was just weird. Just weird. Yeah, it truly was. And um, but let's make a pivot here. In reality, Kansas State is three and three. They, yes, they're zero and three in the conference, but they have lost to three really good teams, and they have yes. been competitive at times, just not exact enough to win games against good teams. You can get by with four turnovers in the second quarter against Southern Illinois, which is a really good FCS team, but you can't apparently get by with one fumble for a touchdown at Oklahoma State because that turned the tide. One play in almost every one of these games has meant the difference between winning and losing. And you can look at Saturday's game with Iowa State. There were so many opportunities to make that game competitive in the first half or the third quarter, and they just couldn't do it. They just weren't exact enough. The pass wasn't high enough. The receiver didn't catch the ball. The field goal kicker missed the field goal. Just little things piled up on K-State. And if any of those go differently, maybe they have enough in their gas tank to win the game. Now, going to Texas Tech, as we turn our attention to the game on Saturday, I don't want to say they have more room for error, but they don't have to be as exact as you need to be against these other teams. They need to go down there and play with confidence and be pretty good. And I feel like that's the real enemy here is just believing you can win. If you lose that, and maybe that's what he meant, they're not going to be upset about um, being criticized, but the losing piles up and they lose their confidence. They've got to carry confidence into this game that they're better than Texas Tech because, Brian, they're better than Texas Tech. Yes, they are. They 100% are better than Texas Tech, and you're right. need to go down there, act like we're better than they are, and then go play better than they do. You know, go out and be the more physical football team on both sides of the ball. I know I always say it. It starts with both lines, but you know what? We got to do that. But we also got to make some changes in what we're doing. 
you know, we got to make changes and, and be aggressive. I think it's just all about aggression because whether you're out of position, whether you don't know what you're doing, if you're being aggressive, that's half the battle. So let's just go down there, be aggressive and fight like heck and go hit them in the mouth early. And that may be all we need. And then just put our foot on the gas pedal and just keep it on it the rest of the game. Well, let's pick up on that. At Tuesday's press conference, I asked Chris Kleiman about the difficulty to balance being aggressive on defense while not giving up big plays. Against Iowa State, they weren't overly aggressive. They tried to be at times. It just didn't work. Um, They did bring some blitz um, action against Brock Purdy and that Iowa State offense, they just didn't ever get to him. It was it just failed. But yeah. um, they still gave up big plays. And uh, the balance is tough to get, but they have to ramp up the volume. And, damn it, just be be agreeable that you might give up a big play, but you also might generate two big plays by being aggressive and turn the tide of a game. I think K-State is going to go on the attack with its defense. Yeah, I think so, too. They have to. They have to. We've seen what it's done basically the last three, even four weeks. It just hasn't. We, we've got to be aggressive. We've got to be aggressive. And just make the quarterback get the ball out of his hands. You know, make an offensive lineman think, hey, if this guy slides and this guy loops around and another guy comes, just give him a half second to think about what he should be doing. I mean, trust me, I've, I've been there. I mean, it's when you got guys running all over the place and twisting and slanting, that does things to you. You know, you, you don't know. And it might just be a half second. Well, half second's all you need to get by a guy and, you know, and to make a miss. And I think we just have to be super, super aggressive on early downs too. not make it obvious. It doesn't always have to be on third and seven or third and six. Be aggressive on first down. You know, even if they run the ball, make it second and 13. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Just being aggressive and having the back end just tell the guys, you got to stick to them. I know we've had some trouble, but, hey, you just got to be sticky. We're bringing pressure. That's part of it. And it, like you said, and if we give up a big player or two, that's going to happen. But you know what? If you give up a big player or two, then you can create four of your own. And I think that's what bringing pressure does. Well, it's very interesting to me when you look at the Big 12 statistics so far this season. Kansas State has actually got the fifth-ranked defense in this conference. And a lot of that, of course, is based on what they did in the non-conference. And they actually have held down the yardage a little bit from what you might expect based on the result of some of these games. Tech is at seven. I just think it's really interesting. And by the way, Kansas State has the 11th-ranked offense and Tech the fifth. I just find it interesting that now that we've gotten into a little bit better competition, the offenses are better, the skill sets are better, the linemen are better, quarterbacks are maybe better. I don't know. The Carson Strong's pretty damn good for Nevada. All of a sudden, the defense doesn't work. It worked for three games, and now it doesn't work. What do you what do you think's going on here? If teams scouted K-State enough now to know what they're doing, or are they doing something differently that has made their own players play with less gusto? Well, one thing is, is that I can attest to is that if you have five offensive linemen that are blocking three guys, well, that's an advantage clearly for an offensive lineman. And when it comes to, to pass protection anyway, so it makes it easier. And if they have a back end, 
that makes six guys blocking three, which basically means everybody can be double teamed. Well, that's an issue. I mean, and nobody can cover when it comes. Nobody's going to be able to cover five, six, seven, eight seconds. You know, you, you just can't cover that long, you know, on the back end. It's just impossible to do. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is, is what you said. I think teams have kind of figured out what they do. We, we've been very predictable. It's kind of what I mentioned earlier is we don't bring pressure unless it's third down. We don't bring pressure. You know, we just haven't done that. We got to get out of these tendencies and do things a little bit more unpredictable to force our hand or to force their hand, I should say, to do things on different downs, you know, not obvious passing downs, you know, that that that's the only time we're bringing pressure, bring it on first down, bring it on second down. And then maybe you can sit back a little bit. If you, if you can, if you get them into the deep enough yardage, you know, and way behind the sticks. But I think that's what it is. Is that K-State our tendencies, these coaches have just figured it out is that, okay, on first down, we can run it. And and they are, and they're getting ahead of the sticks. We've got to be able to get teams behind the sticks. And when we do that, we're just like any defense, any defense is going to be good. Well, we have to be able to create those opportunities for ourselves. And I just think that the tendencies and we're just too predictable on defense at this point. I would agree. Kansas State does rank ninth in the Big 12. We're ahead of Kansas in third down conversion defense. This has been something that has really began to haunt the Wildcats quite a bit. They're giving up first downs on 45% of those third downs. It's pretty atrocious. Offensively, Kansas State shows signs of being improved, settling into Skylar Thompson being back. They're mixing the run with the pass. And yet there's not that consistency on the offensive side of the ball to sustain drives or make that one extra play. They, you know, they had this the one hop pass to Phillip Brooks that would have been game changing. Phillip Brooks dropped a pass on the edge. Uh, but I just don't feel like they're getting to enough things in their playbook. They seem to be a little mundane. When they mixed up that playbook and ran that just beautiful beautiful post flag pattern to Philip Brooks. Skylar Thompson delivered the ball. That was something we really haven't seen. They need to be more, I, I keep falling back on the word creative, but there, there's something else there. They, they got to just open up that offense a little more. And again, be the aggressor because I don't feel like they're being aggressive on offense. Well, I think what we're going to have to do and what we're seeing is, we're going to have to throw the ball down the field a little bit more. I know we keep saying that every week, but it's just the truth. And we're going to have to use the pass to open up the run. Teams are uh, and have started to just say, you know what, we're not going to let you guys run the ball all over the place. Now, we got we got some runs last week, you know, but we were so far down that we couldn't really stick with it enough, even though I thought we stuck to it a little bit too much when we were down so much, but I think we're going to have to just throw the ball down the field a little bit more. Use the tight ends. My goodness. Use the tight ends. They are begging for us to throw the ball down the middle of the field, down the seam to the tight end. They're just, they're literally giving it to us and we don't take it enough. We got to be able to do that. And, and the predictability again, we just got to, Oh, you're right. We got to open up the playbook and just do things that teams don't know. There's, I mean, a playbook, an offensive playbook in college is a mile wide. Let's start using some of that. Let's start using some of it. We have to. Absolutely. They, 
They need to find a way to get more weapons on the field together. There was a yes. key possession in the game, and I looked out on the field, and at receiver in a potential throwing situation, they didn't have Malik Knowles on the field. They didn't have Phillip Brooks on the field. They didn't have Tyrone Howell on the field. They had they had Landry Weber, who's a fine receiver, and a couple other backups. And I just feel like they're not putting their personnel out on the field when they really needed to get things done. And I said this on our other podcast, on our questions podcast. I love the diamond formation. I think it's effective. It's proven to be effective when you put three backs in the backfield, particularly if you put three legitimate running backs back there and and just set a fullback aside for the moment and say, you know what, we're going to go this way. And the players have told us they have a lot they can do out of that formation. And yet, Brian, they don't use it. And and I'm, no. I'm to the point now, I'm like, you are completely wasting your time, the player's time, and valuable practice time by even messing around with this in practice if all you're going to do is run it maybe on the first play of the game. We've seen Correct. that a couple times this year. We're going to run it on the first play of the game, and that's it. We're never going to show it again. What the hell is going on? I have no idea. Use that playbook that we hear about. I don't understand why offensive coaches spend time practicing stuff and then are so reluctant to use it in the course of a game. It cannot. I can't wrap my head around it. I don't understand it at all. Well, it goes back to the old days when people used to run the wishbone. Do you know how many different plays and things that you could run out of the wishbone offense? I mean, it was incredible what you could do. Well, this is kind of the same thing, just inverted. It's just there's so many different runs and passes and reverses and things that you can do, and we don't do it. I mean, I'm not saying that we have to be some wing T offense because that's not what it is. But there's just so many different things that you can do out of this thing, and we don't do it. I, I, I just, and it's kind of what you said. If we're not going to do it, then don't ever run it again. Just don't ever put it in. Don't do anything with it ever again. Or it needs to be a minimum of 15% of, of the playbook because I think it's great. I literally, I think it is absolutely great. And when we use it, it works. It, it's amazing. It, works. it once in a while it gets blown up. For the most part, though, it picks up positive yardage that can sustain a drive, and yet we don't see it. Texas Tech loves to use the RPO, the run pass option, quite a bit. It's something that has faded in college football to a degree since they changed the rules about downfield blockers. They're a little, they're not a little more strict. They're a lot more strict on it. You used to be able to get guys that linemen that would wander down the field five, six yards, and they would just kind of look the other way. Now, if you're at three and a half, you're getting a, a flag. You can only be three yards down. Teams have backed away from it, but I love the RPO, and it does put a stress point on every defender to be able to read what the quarterback's doing with the ball. Um, What are your thoughts on the RPO offense, and would you like to see K-State use more of it? We're going to see plenty of it from Texas Tech. I absolutely think that it is a great weapon on offense. Um, I, I mean, it puts so much stress on linebackers and safeties that, it, it, I mean, it just, I, I would love for us to run more of it. I would love for us to run more of it. Again, you can get the tight end involved. I know I keep screaming about it, and I'm going to keep screaming about it until I do it. You can get the tight end involved, and, and you can get slants. And the one thing about an RPO is if you can hit one on a quick slant, 
you can take it the distance yep. because that's the whole key to is getting those guys sucked in. And if you can hit a hole and you can get a gap, it is going the distance. And I, in teams, that's what they're literally looking to do. I think K-State, that can be a valuable part of our offense. And Texas Tech runs it well. Um, they've done it. You know, I don't. I, they haven't really done it for years because they used to just drop back and throw it all over the place. Um, but they're doing it well now, so it's going to be a challenge for us to stop. This is a huge game, Brian. I've said that so many times, but this one, you've got to win this. You just do. You got to get back on the winning yep. side. If Chris Clemens worried about his team's confidence, losing to Texas Tech ain't going to help one bit. It's going to make it all that much worse. It's going to turn up the heat from fans who are disgruntled. Can Kansas State get this done? Can they go into Texas Tech, into Lubbock, which is a tough place to play, and get the win down there and get home to, for homecoming against TCU, another huge game. But is this a game K-State would, should win? Well, I said last week that it was a, kind of a program-defining game as far as what we needed, what we needed. We needed to win the game because the barometer is we got to start getting over the hump. Well, we didn't win. So if we didn't get over last week, this is, in my eyes, a must win because it's just what you said. If we're worried about confidence and you go down there and lose to a team that you're better than, well, let's not make any mistakes. K-State's better than Tech. If you can't pull this one off, it's a problem. I think they can. I think, again, it's gonna. we're going to need special teams. We're going to need special teams. And it's going to take a collective effort of, of, of everyone but coaches getting the guys in the right places That's to good. make plays just put the guys in positions to make plays that's that's it in a nutshell the other games so far this season in the big 12 have been big because they were against the better teams could k-state measure up against them well despite playing good in some of those games at least two of them they introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com they did measure up. I mean, let's be blunt here. Now they're into games against like opponents, those opponents that we believe will be in that four through nine spots in the conference. Now this measurement's really important. If you can't beat them, then you are in the lower half of the conference, and then the heat will really be up. Yeah, yeah. This is this is just a game we just have to win. We're we're better than they are. If K State's trying to do what I think that we're trying to do as a program for a season, then this is a game that we just have to go and win. It's just just flat out we have to go win this football game. He is Brian Hanley, our football analyst at GoPowerCat.com, and as I've mentioned many times, former Kansas State offensive lineman on those '97 and '98 teams. Brian, thank you very much. Thank you. That's it for the second segment of the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. On the other side, we will hear some of what Chris Kleiman said at Tuesday's press conference that stirred the interest of so many fans all across Wildcat Nation. I'm Fitz, and we will be right back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. 
welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pre-Game Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. We have spoken with our own Ryan Wallace and our football analyst, Brian Hanley, as we prepare you for Saturday's 11 a.m. game, Kansas State at Texas Tech in Big 12 play. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. And as we do every week, we start the third segment with our interview segment. So far this year, we've talked to players. This week, we are going to bring in the big guy himself, Coach Chris Kleiman, in an extended interview segment because he said some things that really caught the attention of the fan base and those will be at the end of these comments as we have strung together some things he said from Tuesday's 30-minute press conference. We're going to start off with his overall thoughts on this game with Texas Tech and then we'll move into the questions I asked during the press conference and then our good friend D. Scott Fritchen who now works for K-State Athletics asked a couple really great questions about the mindset of this team after losing three straight games and the very last quote, well, Chris Kleiman said something that caught a lot of people off guard. We'll let you judge what he said for yourself. And here we go. Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman on this game with the Red Raiders. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, Big weekend for us uh, heading down to Lubbock against a really good Texas Tech team. Uh, They're playing well. Uh, Happy for for Coach Wells. He's one of my close friends in the profession and and happy to see him having success. doing it in a variety of ways, but uh, an explosive offense, <clears throat> veteran quarterback, uh, a lot of good skill players playing really well up front offensively. Um, defensively, uh, people have gotten after him a little bit. They have, uh, I think, some really good talent, some good athletes, and, and they run run to the football and they smack you, but uh, uh, they've run into a couple of teams that have been able to rush the football, and then uh, they got to play catch up, and, and that's kind of where we're at right now as far as uh, we need to play from from ahead more so than from behind and that's uh, what we've done the last few weeks is play from behind and that's probably not uh, uh, suited best for us so when we play ahead against Stanford or against Nevada our ability to dictate uh, some of the tempo and pace and calls we make both offensively and defensively more playing from behind we had to probably be more aggressive uh, on defense uh, which causes some bigger plays and then uh, offensively we'd, we'd like to be able, I like our balance uh, we're, we're better balanced right now, but uh, uh, it's a big week for us, important week for us. Guys had good spirit, good energy yesterday and, and are excited for another opportunity. How challenging is it right now to find that balance between using your defense to attack and make plays and trying not to give up the big plays? Yeah, uh, we can't have that second mindset at all uh, as far as we can't give up the big plays because then you start playing on your heels and then you're tentative on things. Um, so we've got to get back to some of our basics. We've probably tried to do too much. Uh, we've talked about that on defense of trying to do too much. Uh, and it's easy to say that against Iowa State. You guys watched Iowa State. They're in every formation known to mankind and really talented at doing that shift trade motion uh, to get their playmakers the ball. Uh, and we need to continue to simplify so that we are we are playing faster, uh, more attacking, whether that is bringing more pressure, at least our guys maybe, if we simplify the plan, simplify the, simplify the calls, uh, maybe our kids will play it a little bit faster. So we got to take ownership in that as a coaching staff. 
You've got a great player in Deuce Vaughn who can do so much for you, but do you find yourself got to make sure we get Tyrone Howell involved? We got to we we got to spread the ball around a little yeah. bit better. Yeah, uh, and and we still have to give what the defense take what the defense gives us. Uh, we, you know, the most talented guy we have is the six-year senior quarterback that has to make the decisions of where the ball should go based on the coverage based on the pressure, uh, based on the look that he sees, and we're confident that he can do that. Um, if that means that Deuce is taken out of something for a series or for a quarter and somebody else is making a play, I'm shoot, Deuce will be happy about it. We just want to find a way to win. But it's been fun to see uh, guys like Landry step up. It's been fun to see guys like Tyrone step up. Uh, I was happy with, with Phillip Brooks. I mean, that was a big-time route and a great play. And Iowa State doesn't give up those 50-yard passes or whatever the heck it was very often. And we were able to hit a home run. And so uh, I think it makes us more difficult as we continue on to defend when we have so many guys that can beat you. When you went back and watched the film of that game Saturday, how far off were you guys from being successful? Um, you know, there's 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 a play here and there, and I think that's you can say that about every game. Even the games we won, we made a few plays that if we don't make those plays, we maybe are in a one-score game um, in games we won. But, uh, you know, the big series for us uh, was essentially to tie it up at 10-10 or go up 14-10. to uh, and, and that's close, but we're not there. I'm tired of being close. The guys are tired of being close. Just like when we were down 20 to seven, we needed to put to, put a drive together to go make it 20 to 14. And we started the semblance of a drive, and we didn't execute. It wasn't play calls, and we just didn't execute. And then we ended up going down uh, by multiple scores. And so uh, we're, we're close, but nobody wants to hear close. We need to we need to get it done. Skyler um, mentioned that he thought that everyone had to take a look in the mirror. And what I'm curious about is, have you already seen positive dividends from from that? Yeah, I think everybody does, and, and coaches included. And, and we took ownership on Sunday for some things that we had some mental errors uh, on either side of the ball or on special teams. And you know, you can't put that on the kids. You got to look at yourself and put it on yourself as a coach first and say, are we putting these guys in the best position to be successful? And are they, are we simplifying it enough so the kids can understand it and play fast? And that's the first thing is, as coaches, we need to be better. Uh, and, and we spent all day Sunday and half of Monday talking about that. Then we met with uh, some guys on the leadership council on Monday afternoon and met with the team Monday uh, late afternoon to try to explain to those guys, hey, we've got to take some ownership in this too as coaches. And uh, everybody needs to give a little bit more. Everybody can step up a little bit uh, and everybody can – You'll probably own their role a little bit more, but that's coaches as well. I mean, this isn't uh, just the offense, just the defense, just one part of the offense, one part of the defense. This is a collective group, and it starts with us. And I'm curious about the collective mentality, the coming together of this team during adversity and yep. being able to come out with positive results. Yeah, uh, thank heavens we are a close team because this is, you know, you can be divided when you have. Uh, uh, adversity strike and I've been pleased uh, with our leadership our older guys the the council to be able to bring guys together um, guys know it guys know that uh, we need to take ownership and, and um, get this thing righted in the right direction um, played pretty good schedule now too you know we got to take into the consideration of that that uh, uh, we had an opportunity to win all three games we didn't um, and, and now we have 
a chance to, to move forward in the next one and you cannot trip on what's behind you. We, we, we didn't play well enough and we got beat. And if you keep thinking about the negative, you're going to lose sight of what's coming in front of you. And I know that we have to challenge each other as coaches and challenge each other as, as players to be better. But you need to do that with a positive mindset. And sometimes we all have a tendency to take it from the negative standpoint. I'm telling you guys, 18 to 22-year-olds can't handle the negative side of things. And we have to. And I'm asking you guys. I'm asking for your help. We need to be more positive. I know we can play better. You know we can play better. But we've got to give these kids more positive things because we've got a great locker room in there, kids that do care about each other, kids that love each other, coaches that believe in these kids, and we can't give up on them. And now let's get caught up on the spread, the lines, all of the good stuff when it comes to sports, gambling, and Big 12 football this weekend by bringing in our own Ryan Gills Gilbert. Hey, Ryan. How was uh, Big 12 basketball? Well, they don't call it media day anymore, do they? I know. I was... It was like tip-off? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. It was fun, though. It was a good time. Did they tip anything off? Was there actually a ball that they threw into the air? Mm-mm. Not that I can report. John Higgins, was he there to do this? Doug his... Sermons was not there. Oh, damn it. Neither was John Higgins. Oh, whatever. I wanted to ask about him, but I, I kept my mouth shut. Okay. That's good. That's good. I was going to say my name was Tim Fitzgerald, actually, if I yeah. asked. They wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> they, they, they have my picture up everywhere. <laughs> they know who I am. But for today, let's stick with Big 12 football, and let's dive into the four games. We have Texas and Baylor taking the weekend off because they're lazy bums. But we do have four great games in the conference, uh, three great games in the conference, and we have OU going to Kansas. Let's start there. What line were you picking on? It looks like it has actually gone up to 38-and-a-half. Oklahoma favored on the road to win by 39 or more. On my TV show, The Drive, we went ahead and picked 39-and-a-half because it was just entertaining to me to say, will OU win by 40 or more? I think they do. Mm-hmm. I think they win by whatever they need to cover. And I also think Lincoln Riley proved in Manhattan that covering is in the back of his mind because that explains why they would kick a field goal that really didn't mean a whole lot in the outcome of the game, but it did get the cover for a moment against Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I think they roll. I think new quarterback, KU's coming apart at the seams. This is going to get as ugly as an ugly game can be. Mm-hmm. I think even if it gets up to 45, 50, 55 points, I don't care. I'm taking Oklahoma here. I mean, Kansas, they're over on the season, right, with covering. They haven't shown that they're capable of winning you any money. So until they do, just stay away from them and bet against them. So I like OU all the way here. Does Spencer Rattler play in this game? Not that I'm aware of. I thought Williams, is, it's his job now. Well, I understand he's right? going to start. Oh, with, with the fourth quarter? Okay. I mean, he's okay. not nor- the normal backup you throw in the game for mop-up duty. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. might think that's beneath him, which is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. But I'd be comfortable with him keeping more points on the board if you're, fa- and if you're afraid of a backdoor cover or something. So yep, I would another reason to bet on OU. Let's talk about TCU in West Virginia. The Frogs are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. This has moved up a little bit. What are your thoughts on this game? This one's tough, and I had a hard read on it, but I'm going to lean with TCU. I'm going to actually go with the public. Usually I go against them, but I'm not a big fan that this line shifted over three points. Now it's at, what, four, four and a half points. So, you know, that three-point mark is big. You know, 10% games, uh, 10% of games are decided by three points. So you're missing out a little bit there. If you got in early, you're, you're feeling good. But I like TCU here. You know, they're at home. West Virginia is traveling a, a pretty long ways. 
And again, with Kansas, what reason have they given to bet on them? West Virginia, I had some high hopes for them to come into this year, and they have just really just looked like they've looked bad. And this isn't a compliment to TCU at all, but I'm going to roll with the horned, frog, horned frogs here. I don't quite get West Virginia. I'm with you. I thought they'd be better than mm-hmm. this. They're one three in the conference, two and four overall. Um, you know, K State's zero and three, but they have played three of the four yeah, better teams. Yeah. The one that I can't get is Tech going to West Virginia and winning. That set off alarm bells. I'm with you. I think the Frogs cruise. And, of course, I'll have my actual picks on the line um, on Saturday morning over at GoPowerCat.com and YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing to both of those things. The big game in the conference this weekend is Oklahoma State traveling to Ames to play Iowa State. Now, this is an interesting rivalry. These two teams have played some meaningful games in recent years, and this, too, is a very meaningful game. Oklahoma State's unbeaten. Iowa State is trying to cling to hopes of making it back to the Big 12 championship game. They really can't lose again if they want to do that. Now that they've lost to Baylor, I guess mathematically it doesn't eliminate them, but it certainly makes it very difficult. I am a little surprised by this line. I think people were really impressed with Iowa State. This line continues to creep upwards. It's now around six and a half, seven points in favor of the Cyclones on their home field, which would indicate if normally, you know, what you get for a home field advantage that on a neutral field, Vegas feels like Iowa State wins this game. Are you surprised by that? Mm, Yes, a little bit. And you kind of took the words out of my mouth a little bit. The recency bias and everyone here in Manhattan, like me and you, we saw Iowa State play on Saturday. They looked mm-hmm. good. good. They looked like a great team. Won by 13 points. And let's be honest, they should have won by more. Right. So I don't want people to just think, oh, I saw that team play. They're now on a hot streak. I, that's where you start losing money when you bet. However, I, I think this team is getting back to who they were supposed to be preseason. I agree. I believe that. I think Oklahoma State – there's still a lot of question marks with that team. I still think they're playing with house money. They've been getting kind of lucky here in some of these games. So I hate to to just use that game against Kansas State that we saw on Saturday. But I like Iowa State here. I think they're getting back to who they should be. Uh, Oklahoma State's really not impressed me too much. So I like Iowa State. And it's a touchdown a lot. I think a touchdown is mm-hmm. a lot. So I'm a little more nervous about that. But I still think Iowa State wins. That home field advantage is is big. It's key, you know, playing on grass that might that might mess with the Cowboys a little bit. So I'm 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 given more reason reasons to bet on the Iowa State team. I will reveal my pick Saturday morning with on the line. It's a very intriguing game. I, I like both these teams. I think they're both good teams. And I think you're right. Iowa State is getting back to what we thought we would see from Iowa State earlier in the year. But Oklahoma State just kind of continues to do what they're doing, which isn't overwhelming anyone, but they continue to win, including in Austin last week. Here we go. Tech in K-State. This line has danced around a little bit. K-State opened as a one-point favorite on the road. It swung to back to Tech as a one-point favorite. I'm now, as we record this scene, some pickums popping up, which is what I think this game really is. A one-point line. Stupid. Just put pick on it. Jeez. <laughs> uh-huh. Um they just got to keep that one point line on there in case they get a one point decision and get the push and get to keep the mm-hmm. keep some money. What do you think about K State and Tech? the The stars align perfectly for K State to win this game, and this is the bounce back game. They've lost three in a row. You know this is this is the game where it all gets right back on track. However, first of all, I don't like how it's an eleven a.m. kickoff on the road. Never a fan of that. Second of all. Based off of Kansas State's last three games, I am not comfortable picking them to win. 
I'm just not. I get it. So I like, I mean, that's every coach has flaws, right? But Chris Kleiman's, I think most people could agree that his biggest flaw is keeping his teams bought in maybe when adversity hits, right? And K-State has their backs against the wall right now. The se- this is the season, I think, right here. If you win it, you're still alive on, on life support. If you lose this game, it's dope. It's over. It's done. Yeah, you're in big trouble. So as much as I'd love for Kansas State to get that win and try to right the ship, I think Texas Tech wins this game. I really do. And, I, again, I think it's a 50-50 game. I think the pick them, that line is pretty pretty accurate. I, you know, Notice I haven't said one word about any sort of schematic or matchup or anything like that. It's an even game. I think this one's more about preparation. And Chris Kleiman, I don't have much trust in him. He's lost eight conference games in a row. Is there an asterisk by that? Sure. But it's real. It's a fact, and facts don't really care about uh, you know anything else. So until we can see K-State win a game, I'm going to bet against them. I really am. Well, I think what disturbs me the most isn't the fact that they've lost these three games because the other teams were better. They just were better mm-hmm. than Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I can accept that. I can't accept not knowing how to line up on defense on the first snap of the game. Or 12 men on the field. Can't accept that. Mm-hmm. This team looked poorly coached against Iowa State. That is alarming going on the road anywhere in this conference. Let alone Lubbock is a tough place to play. 11 a.m. kick, as you mentioned, isn't easy to do on the road. So there's a lot of red flags of this game. I think K-State does win. I will have my actual score with my keys to victory on Friday. I'll break down this game a little bit more with On the Line. It is huge, though. This conference is fascinating. I think we're beginning to see the line of upper and lower. And Kansas State's doing a good job of sorting that out for the conference. (laughs) The three teams they played are clearly in the upper half of the conference, but I would still put Texas and Baylor into that upper half as we sit here today, and they're both off. As we mentioned, those are K-State's last two games of the season. That means this game leads into TCU. TCU won big in Lubbock. So if you lose to Tech, how much confidence do you have against TCU? You go to Kansas, then you've got West Virginia coming to Manhattan. Man, I feel like this is the first domino to fall. Now we've got to find out what direction it's going to fall in. Mm-hmm. After three games, I was very – I was licking my chops. I was very happy with that five-and-a-half win total. I had the over, and now it is looking really dicey. I'm getting nervous on that one. This really is huge when uh-huh. it comes to that. I, I think the next three are huge. They have to sweep these three. That will get you your cover on the five-and-a-half <laughs> and get them in a really good position heading into that final stretch of West Virginia, Baylor, and Texas, which will be – a tougher stretch than the next three games. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not saying that Kleiman's lost his locker room because I think they have a, no. a good culture in there. But if they lose this game, well, I, gonna, it's not a good trajectory to go in. How do you have confidence if you lose this game and you go to zero and four in the conference and you've got a pretty good TCU team coming mm-hmm. in? I think it will take the wind out of their sails. Very interesting stuff, Brian. Brian, I called you Brian. My Brian Hanley. Okay, I don't know. I'll take that. There's just so many people. So <laughs> many people. Very good stuff, Ryan Gilbert. Appreciate it very much. And you can check out his coverage of K-State and football and basketball over at GoPyrocat.com and including his stuff from Big 12 Tip-Off. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not accepting that name. It's like Sprint Center. I'm not accepting that. The T-Mobile Center, whatever they want to call it. It's always Sprint Center. It's Sprint Center. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Much appreciated. Great stuff, as always. A very interesting slate of games. I'm intrigued by that Oklahoma State at Iowa State contest. Is Iowa State really the favorite? 
We will find out on Saturday, as we will with Kansas State playing at Texas Tech. An enormous game for this football program. I feel like I've said it before every game, but as these losses have mounted in Big 12 play, now three straight this season for the Wildcats, the urgency gets cranked up. And this is certainly a game that Kansas State needs to find a way to win even if it is on the road. A very comparable program, a coach also in his third year at a new job in the conference. Can Kansas State knock off the Red Raiders? It starts at 11 a.m. Saturday down in Lubbock and the Go Powercat team, myself, Zach Carlson, and Michael Goins will be on hand to cover the contest for our subscribers. Make sure you are subscribing to Go Powercat, and if you're just following along at YouTube with some of our daily deliveries and our podcasts, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. I am Tim Fitzgerald. It's the Cats and the Red Raiders, 11 a.m. in Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock, Texas. I hope you have a great K-State game day. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com.